Hi there, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording, we think, episode six? No, I think this is seven. Episode seven? Uh, yeah, how's everybody's quarantine going? Because um, mine's, uh, I have a headache. <laughs> apparently Madison has a headache. From being in quarantine for so long. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We just found out that the kids will not be returning to school this year. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. But all the national forests are closed. So... Yeah. They also... By the way, if you're going to go hiking, which you're not supposed to do right now, but if you're going to, beware because they are towing cars out of trailhead parking lots right now. Yep. So definitely don't do any popular hikes. Yeah. So basically, like, check the Forest Service website and see if the hike is technically closed down because if it is... Chances are, your car is going to get towed. Yeah. Yeah. We saw a bunch getting towed this week, so... Uh, yeah, watch it. I can't... Uh, okay, first off, I get that they want people to follow the rules. I want people to follow the rules, too, because I want to be off of quarantine, right? And on the really popular hikes, it's really hard to keep social distancing because they are so crowded. Yep. But what are people supposed to do when they get to the bottom of the trailhead in the middle of nowhere and their car is gone? Dude, there's no service. You can't really walk on the side of that the roads. Well, and where, where I saw it happening, there were police sitting in the parking lot. So I'm assuming they're there to inform panicked people that come down. That their car, that has, their been car has been towed. But then what? There's no bus. Like, what are they doing with these people after that? Are they called Ubers? There's no reception. You can't call an Uber out no. there. No. Maybe that's why the cop's there, so that he can, like, call them a taxi or something. I mean, I don't know. Madison does understand the panic a little bit of having your car towed, though, because... <laughs> you know, my car towed from a party a couple... Mad- so a while back, a while back, we'll just say a while back, Madison... It, it was, like, over a year ago. <laughs> Madison panic called not me because oh hell no i wouldn't have woken you up at 3 a.m about my car being towed uh, she knows no, who, I did she this... knows she knows who to call in these situations so i did the smart thing and i called shedler because i'm not gonna wake my mother up at 3 a.m <laughs> but basically she was panicked because she thought her car initially had been stolen and then well not stolen i just these thought really... i lost it <laughs> We always thought we lost our cars. That's so much worse. So basically, there's like these really smart teenagers wandering around. It was like an apartment parking a lot. A huge apartment complex. And they all think that they just lost their car because their cars are gone. So they were like, we couldn't find our cars and we knew that we parked by each other. And then we both had like... Oh yep. my god, it was so bad. It was so bad. And then we had more people looking. And this little fun... And she did park somewhere where it said not to park, by the well, way. Well, it didn't say not to park. I just didn't know I wasn't supposed to park there because apparently it was someone's reserved parking spot. Right, but they're not, like, labeled. But you're not no. supposed to park there. Yeah. But that little excursion cost you a pretty penny. Pretty penny. A not pretty even, penny. Not even... Um, no, not even worth it. It's not. <laughs> it was fun, but not that fun. <laughs> Anyway, so hike at your own risk. Ooh, maybe take an Uber out to your hike. 
I don't know how you're going to get back, though. That Uber. That would be an expensive Uber. That would be an expensive Uber. But you wouldn't be able to call them back because you don't have reception. Like, when you're done. I don't know. Maybe have your friend drive <laughs> so then your car doesn't get impounded. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't Something. do that. I've seen people leave their stories, they're hiking, I'm like, you are brave or dumb and you just don't know what's going on. They probably on. just don't know it yet. Yeah. So just just stay home, you guys, or <laughs> hike where you're allowed to hike. Because there are places you can still hike. That, yeah. It, it's just harder to find them now. Well, I'm going to go find one sometime this week because I think I'm going to go crazy. We're all going to go a little crazy, but that's okay. So hang in there, guys. We are right there with you. Uh, we are suffering along with you. Yep. Yep. And yep. a household full of children. Yeah. Maybe just be thankful that you don't have as many children as I do. Or if you do, um, you're sorry. not alone. Hang I'm in there. So and we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to be... I'm so sorry. <laughs> Madison's yawning. So today we're going to be talking about Theo Hayes, who is a Belgium backpacker. That mysteriously went missing. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. Okay, so Theo Hayes was 18. He spoke French. He was 5'11". He was 165 pounds or 75 kilos. Mm-hmm. He was fit and lean, fair skin, fair hair with blue-gray eyes. He loved to play rugby. He was very interested in the environment and science. He loved animals and books. And he was described as very responsible and structured. Yeah, so he was traveling through Australia on his gap year, which is, we don't, we don't exactly have that. If you take a gap year here, you're a dropout. You're not going back. It's not, it's not a real thing. But it sounds like it's very common for people after finishing school to take a year off before they start at university, which we don't really do that here. People either go to university Right away, or the majority of them don't go at all. Well, people take gap years. Well, they call it a gap year, but it's four years. Or they just don't go back. Don't go back. So uh, this is what he was doing. Um, He was almost done with his year of traveling. He had already booked his ticket home for June 3rd. Uh, He was really anxious to get home. He had to start preparing for his testing because he was going to university for his engineering degree. So he was kind of like anxious and wanted to get back and get that started by this point. So Byron Bay is a coastal town that's popular to backpackers, surfers, and even families on vacation. They have over 2 million visitors every year. That's a lot. You're telling me I can go to this place, backpack, and surf? Apparently, yes. Although after hearing this, you might not want to. Actually, I take it back. We still want to go. I still want to go. I want to go. I want to go, yeah. Byron is halfway up the East Coast in New South Wales. We have listeners in New South Wales. We do. Yeah, so if any of you live near here, we'd love to do like a special episode where we come and live with you. (laughs) But apparently it's expensive to go to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive to go anywhere. It's so expensive. So the culture in Byron Bay is really unique. They have a larger backpacking population than the town itself. So the amount of backpackers that they have coming and going exceeds the amount of their population, which is crazy. Yeah. But if you guys look up pictures of this place, it is amazing. Gorgeous. Yeah. We really want to go. So Theo arrived in Byron Bay on May 29th of 2019. His plan was to spend a few days kind of just hanging out in the town, relaxing, 
He'd heard about this town, was really excited about it. And then he would leave on the 3rd. So really, he's only going to be there for four days is his plan. So Theo checked into the Wake Up Hostel, which is one of the nicer hostels in the area. And he stayed in a one-person room, a single room. Which is very hard to do without spending a lot of money, but... Yeah. Well, we have, we've had a private room. Yeah, and we spent a lot of money on it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so Wake Up Hostel had air conditioning, free high-speed Wi-Fi, personal bedside lights, power and USB ports for every bed, oh my God. yoga, training, sunrise lighthouse tours, mm-hmm. surfboards, stand-up paddle boards, and bikes. Which... You guys, this... That sounds luxurious. Yeah, we didn't go to the right places because we did not stay in any kind of hostel that was like this. And in fact... air conditioning? We definitely did not have any kind of air conditioning. And in fact, we had to fight over like the one plug-in in the entire place most of the time, which is kind of funny. There was this one hostel that we stayed in. I think it was in France. Yeah, the little wood one. Yeah, that we yeah. were talking about where yeah. the war happened. Yeah, so there were literally two outlets for, for the, the whole, whole place. Yeah, the and whole it had place. like four or five rooms, and each room had like five or six beds in it. No, I we had say. we had bunk beds. So we had two, four. We uh, we had six beds in our room. No, we had more than six because the the ones that were across from us were three and three. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. six beds except. Okay, yeah, we had a, it was there were a lot of people. So it literally had one outlet for the entire place, and we had like a charging bank thing that we were charging to that we used to charge our other devices and we had plugged it in and at least what six times throughout the night somebody like went to go check the outlet and we we just kept like unplugging our device and then plugging a new one in and then unplug that and then plug the phone well, in yeah, we like swap we- it <laughs> So we were on top of it. We were like up every couple hours making sure that we had a new device in there charging. But we kept hearing backpackers that would like go. You'd hear them like get to the outlet and it was really dark. And then you'd hear, damn it, there's something in here. Like, Well, I've also never been woken up earlier at a hostel. That was the one where the people started putting their shoes on at like 4 a.m. Maybe they had a long, but we got up that early at some, yeah, on but some. but I feel like we weren't that loud. No, we weren't loud. Or then those people also got there really, really late that night, too. Oh, the yeah. That, we had two people that showed that up, like, super late. Us, yeah. And they, like, came into the room at, like, probably, like, 10. And, like, if you backpack and you go to hostels, like, you sh- That's pretty good. Bring, bring earplugs. Pro tip, like, I bring wish we had a set earplugs. of earplugs. If we had had a set of earplugs, My life. especially in Italy... Mm. Uh, especially. especially in Italy, our lives would have been so much better. Well, in Italy, we spent the whole night listening to some man across the giant bunker of a room that we were in. It was like an underground bunker. It literally looked like a bomb shelter yeah. that we were staying in. Yeah. But that was the worst hostel experience I've ever had. Elena. But don't stay at Elena, guys. Don't stay at Elena. It's in Italy. Yep. It was our first day in Italy, actually. I was so excited, too, because it looks gorgeous. It's this giant, like, stone building. Oh, it, we were most excited for this one. It had, like, the best view. It looked amazing. And then we got there, and they didn't like us. They were not nice, they for starters. They were not nice. Everybody got food poisoning, except for me, because I refused to oh eat God, the dinner. <laughs> I wish I didn't eat. I'm like, I'm like, Madison, this doesn't taste right. Like, I can't eat it. I was and so Madison's hungry. Like, Madison's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is good. And she ate all of her food. It was like this brick of meat and it had like gravy on it. I don't it, even know what it was. It was like 
turkey and mashed potatoes. I don't know. It was so gross. It was good. But the next day and all through the night, the bathroom was very occupied and people were not feeling good. People were not. And by the way, there were also no actual toilets here. Yeah, they had the... The squatter potties? Squat, yeah, whatever they are. So it's just, you kind of squat and it's like a hole in the ground. There's no, nowhere to sit. And yeah. everyone had food poisoning. Yep. Oh, and that was the place that you got a token for your shower, which lasted about 50 seconds. And then it was cold as well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry guys. So yeah, bottom line, his room would have been an um, expensive room, which... Most hostels for like a cheaper room, it can range anywhere from like twenty bucks to forty bucks, depending on the establishment. His like a room, bed, not a room. Right, like a bed. His like single room would have been more like a hundred bucks, probably, would be my guess. Okay, so on May thirty first, Theo and a fellow backpacker caught a shuttle into town. They are seen on camera buying a bottle of rosé wine at 7.45. They seem to be acting perfectly normal. There doesn't seem to be anything going on. They took the shuttle back to the hostel and they shared the wine with other backpackers. There was some sort of like barbecue or party or like event going on. So later that evening, Theo and some other backpackers, the same one as well, but more backpackers on top of that. They all took the shuttle back into town. They wanted to go to the Cheeky Monkey, which is a very well-known and popular bar for backpackers. And if it sounds strange where, like, he's just hanging out with, like, random backpackers that he's meeting. That's like, kind of the whole point. It's not yeah. that strange. Because I know that some people that listen haven't gone backpacking before. But, like, but what? He went into town with a stranger? Like, yeah, this is normal this behavior. Is normal. It's another kid that's about his age. Yeah, normal behavior. Yeah, meeting people in hostels. Like, we met people that we would, after we were done hiking, we would sit down at a table and drink. and Yeah. It's normal. We met people that would go in and steal coffee for us because the, oh the hostel wouldn't give us coffee. Remember you, that? it's way, it's really easy to like make friends with people when you're backpacking because everyone's pretty friendly. Yeah. Which, uh, well, I think a lot of people, it, it's like a community when you're out there. Yeah, it, so it really is. It, it's like a family almost. So the Cheeky Monkey does have a reputation of sorts for being one of the most violent bars in town (laughs) it was even ranked that in like the early 2000s so you know you know however it was purchased by a reputable company recently and it's slowly been gaining back a better reputation so yeah so it did have like a reputation for being very violent a lot of things happening there a lot of fighting things like that but in the last year or so it's been gaining a more positive reputation i mean I would go to a violent bar in Australia, watch some fights happen. That might be <laughs> well, as long as you're not a part of the fights, right? Well, no, of course. I'm, I wouldn't be part of the fights. I would just... Yeah. So the Cheeky Monkey is kind of off the main road. It doesn't have a lot of traffic or a lot of lighting. And most of the people on the streets in this area are patrons of the bar. It's not like a bustling street or anything like that. Like it's kind of tucked away just a little bit. At 11 p.m., Theo was kicked out of the Cheeky Monkey for being intoxicated how intoxicated do you have to be to get kicked out of a bar pretty intoxicated i would imagine right? well i think you just have to appear intoxicated i don't know the cheeky monkey kicks like multiple people out a day like it's really common for them like as soon as somebody starts to show signs of intoxication they boot them out well they don't want anybody getting sick they don't want any fighting they don't want anybody dying on their watch i'm sure so this is a very common thing and theo's hostel was only about a 20 minute walk from there but he never made it back. 
Okay, so after several days of social media silence from Theo, his mom started to get concerned. This was unusual behavior for him, even though it happened from time to time when he was in bed coverage areas when he was hiking. Right, so it was unusual for him to not be on social media on a regular basis or checking in, but it wasn't the first time. Like, there had been a couple times where he didn't. Which is, that's how it is sometimes when you're backpacking, where you end up in areas where you have no service and you end up at a hostel that yeah, doesn't I have think, Wi-Fi. I think our first three days we didn't have service at all. So like our fourth day backpacking was the first day that we, we were like, oh, we have service. Yeah. This is so cool. So she contacted his cousin and asked her to message him on the WhatsApp app and she did with no response. Right. So the WhatsApp app that we, we use that in Europe a little bit, it allows you to message people from different countries Without getting, like, charged. I can't just put a foreign number into my text messaging and send a message. It's, like, a different amount of numbers. Like, it doesn't really work. But the WhatsApp app allows you to... All you have to do is type in, like, the area code or something. Yeah, so the area area code is separate. Yeah, it's like a... But you have to, like, put zero. It's kind of strange, but you learn to use it. Right, it's, like, universally will work. Which was really nice when, like, we were hiking and then we would see, like, someone, like out in the distance on like a plot like an edge and we take a picture of them and then we'd eventually catch up with them while hiking and be like hey we took this cool picture of you like you are oh yeah we would you. send it uh, my favorite part though is when people had iphones which was rare but we could just like airdrop because <laughs> then they, then you don't have to give out your number to them so his cousin knew that he had a scheduled bus to take on the third so she called to verify that he had gotten on the bus but he did not get on the bus right which is concerning. Very concerning. Because, like, you don't miss your bus. Well, hopefully not. Well, not when you're, like, backpacking. Well, especially not when you are ready to go home. You've expressed that you're ready to go home. Like, you need to study for your classes. There's a reason you need to get home. Yeah. Yeah. So his mom also contacted his godfather. His godfather was able to go to his bank. He had an account at the same bank. And without getting police involved, the bank gave him... Theo's like last couple transactions. The last one was on the 31st at the Cheeky Monkey. And then they also could see there had been a transaction to the Wake Up Hostel. So now they know where he was staying based on that transaction. And they knew he hadn't used his account since the 31st, which is very concerning. Although we used cash a lot when we travel. Yeah, we did use cash quite a bit. So right, because a we... lot of, well, a lot of places out there don't take card. But here in Australia, he would have had the ability to use a card yeah, yeah yeah well yeah we wouldn't screwed if we went missing in europe because we didn't have that many transactions i know <laughs> so his cousin called the hostel and was told that he had never checked out and that his stuff was all there including his passport if your passport's still there then that not no good that's no good Game so over. the hostel said that they had just reported him missing which is kind of funny like they just reported him missing like Or did they report him missing after they got off the phone? Maybe. I don't know. By the time the alarm was sounded, it was June 6th and the trail was cold. That's a long time past. That's a long time past. Yeah. So meanwhile, the family was trying to get into Theo's phone and they were able to access his Hotmail account using a password that he had used on an old home computer. With this access to his email, the parents were able to reset his Facebook password and log in as him. Right, and this, I mean, this was really helpful because with this information, they were able to see that Theo at 12.20, Theo had sent a Facebook message to a friend discussing an upcoming U2 Australian tour. He did not have his location for Facebook turned on, 
So they knew it was going to be vital that they get into Theo's Google account if they were going to be able to see his actual movements. So Theo's cousin Lisa decides to go to Byron Bay and posted on many Facebook groups pleading for help and information. Right, like she was actually a part of a bunch of like hiking and backpacking groups. So she posted on those like, hey, we need help. My cousin's missing. That kind of thing. She checked his Facebook to see if he had any recent friends or new friends on Facebook the day he went missing. And it turns out that he did have a new friend, the young backpacker that he traveled into town to buy wine with earlier. Right, so she contacted him and he had said, yeah, we went into town to buy wine that day. And then later on we went to the Cheeky Monkey. Yeah, he had also been in the group of backpackers that went to Cheeky Monkey with Theo. But he didn't really hang out with him at the bar, and he said that there was no drugs or excessive drinking going on that night, and he was surprised to hear that Theo had even been kicked out of the bar. And other backpackers confirmed that Theo didn't seem drunk, which is strange that he got kicked out of the bar. Right, so she's basically, she's talking to somebody who was there that night, and he's like, what, he got kicked out of the bar? Like, I wonder why, he seemed fine when I saw him last. So that's kind of strange. So they also looked at his recent history at 1223. He had watched, this is kind of strange, he had watched a one minute and 50 second like clip of a show called Burger Quiz. Maybe a suggestion? Maybe like an ad? Right. So like when you pull up YouTube, I know sometimes that you, it'll give you like suggestions of shows you like or things like that. So it might just be like, a little bit of a preview like maybe it had something to do with something they were talking about maybe he like looked it up or something who was talking about him and the other backpackers this is like two hours after he got kicked out of cheeky monkey he's by himself at this point oh i don't know <laughs> maybe he's just drunk and wants to watch a show i don't he only watches a minute and 50 seconds of it maybe he got bored but this was a show that he did watch like this was a show he had watched in the past but i think it might have just popped up And started playing maybe when he got onto YouTube for whatever reason. I mean, he was talking about the upcoming U2 Australian tour three minutes before he watched that video. So if he had pulled up YouTube to like look up this band or look up something to do with this band, that could have been how he ended up on that. Also, at 12.56, he had used his WhatsApp app and he had messaged his stepsister in Belgium He had responded to an earlier message. He had said, uh, merci, with a kiss emoji. Which means thank you. Yes, it does. Good job, Madison. So we know that he got kicked out of the Cheeky Monkey at 11 o'clock, but it appears that at almost 1 o'clock, he's still in possession of his phone. He is still using his phone, right? Yes. So that's kind of a good sign, right? I think so. So the family was then informed that someone had canceled his ticket on the Greyhound And when the family inquired about the procedures for canceling their tickets, because they're thinking, oh, he canceled his ticket. Like he had planned to not get on the bus. They were told by Greyhound that only the person who buys the ticket can cancel the ticket. So the family's like, oh, well, maybe that's good, right? Like maybe that's good news that he canceled the ticket if he was going to, like he knew he wasn't going to get on the bus. Yeah. However, they still wanted to talk to the person that took the cancellation just to confirm that they had spoken to him and see if there was anything 
a miss about their conversation. The police were able to determine that the driver of the bus had actually canceled the ticket. While this wasn't common, they did confirm that it was done sometimes if the bus was full at the next stop and they were trying to free up space. So the bus had another stop coming up and the bus was completely full. And by the bus driver canceling Theo's ticket, somebody would be able to buy a ticket at the next stop. Does that make sense? Yeah. So because Theo, because the ticket was canceled, I think six minutes after the bus was scheduled to depart. So the driver had done it. It wasn't Theo. And the family was back to square one. Just after they think they have a little bit of relief. I know. Nope. Okay. So volunteers showed up to help search for Theo, mostly locals. And this was before authorities had even began a search. Yeah, I I think at this point, authorities aren't super concerned yet. We have an 18-year-old guy that was out drinking and didn't... He's missing. Yeah, he hasn't come home yet. Like, maybe it's not a big deal. So soon after this, the official search did start. But by the 10th, the media had begun to swarm. Yeah, so a lot of people were talking about this. The family was posting a lot on social media. This brought a lot of attention to the case. So by now, Theo's godfather had come into town. His cousin is also there, and they are working to coordinate search efforts as quickly as they can to search for Theo. Yeah, his godfather showed up because he was closer and Theo's parents were not able to make it there yet. Right, so they just wanted to get as many people as they could, as quick as they could, to Byron Bay. And we found this clip of him being interviewed uh, while they're coordinating search efforts. Um, and you can imagine how, if it's hard for us, how hard it is for the mom and dad. Um, and we, we keep in touch with them 24 hours. Um, they don't sleep, we don't sleep. Um, oh, we try, but it's not possible. Since we have no clue of what could have been wrong uh, on that day, but something has been wrong, definitely. So that was kind of rough to hear, them being so emotional while coordinating these search efforts to find Theo. Yeah, it must just be so difficult because they're not sure what happened. They don't know, but something's wrong. They know something's wrong. Like something has happened to him. Next, they get the CCTV footage from Cheeky Monkey, right? Okay, so he's seen on the CCTV chatting he's playing a drinking game he's dancing on the table they're meant to dance on the tables yeah so their tables are actually like they actually have tables on the dance floor they're meant for you to like get up and dance on them yes. like it's a thing he's not just like drunkenly standing he's not drunk he's not the only one on the table yeah this is a normal thing at this bar it's kind of something that draws people in he moved around he talked to multiple people There was a girl seen on CCTV that was trying to dance with him while he was on the table, but he didn't really seem very interested in dancing with her. He was talking to the guy next to him instead. So that was kind of odd. And then Theo, it shows Theo getting up and going to the bathroom. And then when he comes back out of the bathroom, the bouncer approaches him and escorts him out. And... In this, in this interaction, Theo looks kind of confused. Like, he looks like he maybe doesn't understand what the bouncer's telling him. Like, he's confused about what's going on. 
I would also be concerned and confused if I was being kicked out of a bar and I wasn't. Well, I wasn't concerned or confused when I've been kicked out of a bar, but I knew why I was being kicked out of a bar. <laughs> what did you get kicked out of a bar for? I actually technically didn't do anything, and it's only happened a couple times. What'd you do? I didn't do anything. I was just with a rowdier group. It was a long time ago. Don't worry about it. You don't need to know these things. Anyway, so he appears confused. And when you look at the footage, it does confirm that he only had two beers. Okay. Then he's definitely not intoxicated. Right. So, yeah. Two beers. Two beers. An 18-year-old guy. Who's been traveling around. That's not going to get you drunk. Well, probably not drunk enough to get kicked out of a bar. But maybe he looked like he was having too good of a time. Maybe they just assumed that he had been drinking beforehand. I mean, we really don't know. But the family did want to know who the girl was that was trying to dance with him. Like, they thought maybe she might know something. Maybe she complained. Maybe she was offended that he didn't want to dance Yeah, maybe. And then he went to the bouncer and been like, this guy's so intoxicated. Right. Yeah, you never know. Okay. I mean, rejection does crazy things to people. It's true. In a lot of bars, I guess they take your photo when you go into the bar? Yeah, I, I saw that too. It, it seems like a common practice that... For our Australian listeners, let us know if this is true Yeah, or can somebody tell us or explain... Like, does this actually happen? We're not really sure. I don't know. I've never it been to It definitely doesn't happen here. Oh, we don't know. So let us know if that's a thing, because we did see that that was a thing, that a lot of bars take pictures before people go in. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. But it it seems like that's something that happens. But uh, unfortunately, the bar said that they were too busy at the time and said that they don't always do it when they get busy, which this is kind of interesting because the bar was only a quarter full that night. So it doesn't appear that they were very busy, so I'm not sure what that's about. And, and usually this bar is even busier than it was that night. So they are unable to identify this girl. Yeah, because the families requested that if they could, like, identify the girl. Well, and but... I think the police wanted to talk to her, too. I think they just, they were curious. Like, they wanted to talk to anybody that talked to him. But they were unable but... to because the bar was, quote, unquote, too busy. And, well, I think that they confessed that they just don't do it all the time. Maybe it's not something they don't do ever, but maybe it's something they're supposed to do. Again, Australia, let us know. let us know. Yeah. So the footage shows him walking into the darkness of Kingsley Street and disappearing. Initially, the theory was that Theo headed back to his hostel after being kicked out of the bar. It was an unusually cold night that night in Byron, so he probably would have been in a hurry to, like, get somewhere indoors, I would think. Yeah. I don't like being cold. I don't like being cold either. This theory seemed to be supported by blurry CCTV footage of a man walking in that direction. However, this would prove to be a vital mistake early on. God damn it. The search efforts were focused on the route going from Cheeky Monkey to the hostel. Naturally. Yeah. Because that's the theory at this point. Well, it's 11 o'clock at night, right? It's kind of late. I mean, that's not really that late, really. Not in a foreign country, but... Or not for an 18-year-old. Definitely not for an 18-year-old. If that's I get for... the bar at, like, 11, that's... I'd be like, <laughs> I still got hours. That That's late for me. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not for Madison, though. No, that's... No. I. You'd go to another bar. You'd just go hop. Yeah, oh my gosh. I was up until, what, 12.30 last night? Or this morning, whatever you want to call it. Long last story. Night. I would say last night. Last night. I have not been up that late in a very long time. And I kind of feel like death today. Like, I don't know how I survived my youth of not sleeping 
at all, working multiple jobs. Like, I do not know how I did it because let me tell you, the older you get, the more you need your sleep. I was up till 2.30 last night. And you're fine. You're more rested than normal. I'm like, I'm like death. Madison brought me coffee. So I was editing when she got here, one of our other episodes, and she's like, uh, don't worry, I'll get you more coffee if you need it later. <laughs> so that's how, that's how scary I look today after being up she had an ice until pack. 12.30. An ice My pack neck hurt, dude. I was driving in a car for a long time yesterday, like eight hours, so my neck kind of hurt. I'm old, you guys. I'm old. I'm old. Someone would hit you if you called yourself old. I am old. I had an ice pack on. <laughs> And I'm tired. Eight o'clock's my bedtime. Okay, so CCTV footage surfaced from a petrol station. Or a gas station, depending on where you're from. Of a man heading in the direction of Theo's hostel. The family went to take a look at this footage. The timing of the man walking past the petrol station was right when they thought that Theo might have been passing there. So they found the man on another CCTV still heading in the direction of the hostel. Right. So basically they think he left the cheeky monkey and they find a man that kind of fits his basic description walking on two different CCTV footages in the direction of the hostel. So they're like, okay, he must have gone this way, right? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is when the family went to look at this footage, they were like, we don't think that's him based on the way he was walking. And it's really blurry. Like, it's from, like, across the street. Like, it's super blurry. It's dark outside. It's dark outside. It's hard to tell. But then police started to obtain basic data from Theo's phone. This data showed that his phone had last pinged off of a tower near the lighthouse in Cape Byron, which is the opposite direction of his hostel, right? So maybe it's an anomaly. They don't really know, but that's definitely not the direction that they think he went based on the footage. Maybe had he gone there before he headed back, like they're really not sure. So after the ping, there is no other tower contact and it appears that his data was turned off, which- Suspicious. Well, so is it weird? Because if my phone was gonna die and I needed to know where I was or I needed to use it for something that night, I might put it in airplane mode in order to save the battery, uh, which could affect the data being on or off, right? Yeah. Actually, a lot of times when we hike, we hike with our phone in airplane mode just so that our phone's not constantly looking for a signal and draining our battery. Fun fact, that will drain your battery. Really, really fast. So this made them wonder if he could have fallen or jumped off the cliffs there. Which, so they're thinking, well, he went towards the lighthouse. He went towards the bay. Maybe something Yeah, maybe something happened to him there. Yeah. So there was a coastal warning that day, high seas and dangerous waves were reported. Yeah, so not super uncommon for this area, but something that they were kind of looking at, like could he have gotten too close to the edge? Could he have fallen in? Could he have been swept away? Something like that. They didn't really know. So then finally, Theo's cousin Michael was able to hack into Theo's Google account. This would give them access to his actual movements the night he went missing and it would change everything. By the way, did you know that Google literally tracks every move you make? Google Maps knows where you're going. Google Search knows what you're thinking. Google Calendar knows what you're doing. I mean, I honestly, I didn't know that they tracked 
this much information. Like, this is crazy, you guys. When we get into this, you're going to be like, wait, what? But on the other hand, it's really good information to have. So I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I think the government's tracking us all the time. (laughs) Anyway, Theo's movement was recorded every 15 seconds. Okay. So every 15 seconds, that's going to give us a pretty good idea of where Theo went. So at 11.07, he left the Cheeky Monkey, which adds up to when he got kicked out. Yep. One minute later, he stopped for one minute and entered the address of his hostel, but continued walking in the wrong direction. Right. So he pulled up his Google map. He entered in Wake Up Hostel and then continued to walk the opposite direction of where his map would have been telling him to go. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. For four minutes and 40 seconds, he walked at a pretty normal pace. Okay, and then stopped for seven minutes on Tennyson Street. Which, seven minutes is kind of a long time to stop. Where are you stopping for seven minutes? Well, I'm wondering, like, did he stop to talk to somebody? Did he meet somebody at Tennyson Street? Like, why is he... Seven minutes is a long time. Maybe he needed to use the bathroom. I mean, I don't know. He had been drinking in a bar. But seven minutes seems like kind of a long time. This is a gathering place at night for young people. There's your answer. Oh, so he might have stopped to talk to somebody then. Like if there, like were, if there were people there yeah, yeah, like no, partying or whatever, like yeah. So after the stop, he abruptly changed directions. So I'm thinking that he met someone or just stopped chatting with people. Or maybe asked them, hey, I'm looking for this. Where Do you know where it's at? Yeah. And they sent him in a different direction. Um, I still think, I, I think he met somebody there. He waited there or stopped there for seven minutes. I think he met somebody there. But when did he coordinate that? I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay. So there's also a homeless population on the outskirts of this area. Okay. So maybe something to do with that. I'm not sure maybe really where happened. that ties in. Yeah. But okay. useful information maybe. Maybe. Um, or maybe someone suggested that Theo go to the beach. Well, because the direction that he did abruptly change to go in was towards the beach at this point. So at 1121, he left that area and headed towards the beach. So he crossed a sports field, which is can be known to sell drugs in that area. But he, he crossed that, and then he continued to check his Google map, but still went the wrong way. So at this point, he checks his map again, but continues to go the wrong way. Maybe he just wants to see how long of a walk it is. Like how far away he's getting from it? Yeah, that's my thought process. Maybe. I have a theory about it too, but we'll get to that. So at 11.30, he arrives at the Milnes track. At this point, he starts running. 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 Which would have been very hard to do in the soft sand and terrain. Weird. Okay. Again, he then stops for one minute, pulls up Google. And searches for his hostel. And looks at the direction of his hostel again. What are you doing? I don't know. So it was almost like he was, he continued to look at his directions, but then continued to purposely go the wrong way. At 11.48, he reached Tello Beach and he came out of the bush. Which, by the way, you guys, is like woods or foresty looking. It's not one bush like Madison initially thought. I when... thought it was like a singular bush. She's like, like, why is there only one bush? Like, what do you mean there's one bush that he's coming out of? And I'm like, it's called the bush, Madison. It's like, it's like a dense, foresty area. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, and onto a path that seemed impossible for him to find on his own. Right, so he's like in the woods, but he happens to come out of the woods right where this path is. Strange. Strange. It's strange, yeah. 
He pulls up Google Maps again and again is looking at his hostel. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Okay, so then he leaves the beach and heads towards the bushy area again that is uphill and very steep. Yeah, so he comes out of the bush, the woods, and he turns and goes up the beach a little bit and into like, it's kind of described as like this little like dense like area that you have to kind of like crouch to get into, which is so bizarre. And when he goes in there, it, it's it's actually described as like a good hiding place. And he's in there for five and a half minutes. So for five and a half minutes, he leaves the beach. He goes up into like this little area, almost like a hiding place. And then he goes back down to the beach. And then he goes back down to the beach. I'm wondering if he's being chased by something at this point. Someone or something. I mean, I don't know. It's so bizarre. But, but how is but he then, finding this, all these places on his own? How would he know about that? Well, not only place? that, but then when this is all over, after he's done being chased, he gets on YouTube and watches a video and sends out some messages. Like, that all happens after this. So, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. But maybe he needed to relieve himself. Maybe he was trying to find more privacy. But he was up there for five and a half minutes. So, I don't know. Very strange. Then at 12.05, he was back at the beach. And at this point, his data turns off. So, a couple things here. So, was he using Google Map to find something else? And he just already had his hostel typed in there, maybe? And he was just looking at the street names or he was looking because there are times where he like zooms in on the map while he's looking at it and then zooms back out again. Does he just have the map pulled up and he's just looking at the area around him? Maybe he doesn't want to lose his hostel on his map or something. Maybe. Here's another thing too that I was curious about. When you type in a location on your Google map and then you add a waypoint, it doesn't log that waypoint. It only logs your initial search. So could he have put his hostel into the search engine and then added a waypoint for Tello Beach and that's why he kept pulling it up and looking at it and appearing to go in the wrong direction, but really he had added a stop to his route. Right? do not understand or know the answer to that question. That to me makes the most sense. So it was revealed that searchers had been clearly searching in the wrong direction all along. All along. The whole time. Which they were, they kind of started to suspect that when they, the ping happened. But now they knew for sure that he not only went to the beach, but was there for, for a, a while. Good amount of time. Yeah. So divers were sent into the water. Searchers were also sent into the thick bush. Right. Which is actually kind of a difficult area to search. One thing that's weird about when he was in that thick bush too, is it actually shows that he goes in and then veers around a certain area inside the bush. And in that area was a homeless camp Maybe he of a gentleman. It. Well, they, they're they saying he wouldn't have seen it. Like, he didn't even get to where it was, and he had already started to veer around so it. So, that also adds on the theory that was somebody he's with him? not by himself. I'm thinking he's not by himself, because how would he have been able to find that hiding spot? How would he have been able to find that path, avoid the homeless camp? Like, my thoughts is that he's with a local now. Right. Well, why does he even have his Google map up then? Maybe he's seeing how far away he's getting from his hostel. Maybe. Maybe he wants to make sure that he doesn't have... But he, like, stops for, like, full minutes and, like, looks at his Google map. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I know. It's so confusing. 
So initially, police asked the family not to share the data. But that didn't last for long. I think they just couldn't handle the idea that all of these people were searching. That know the area well. And they were searching in the wrong area. And what if Theo was hurt or injured somewhere? I, I mean, I think they just, they felt like they had to share the Google information. Another thing that the family started to do was to scour Instagram looking for photos that people had posted in that area that night or slash morning during the time frame that Theo had been there. They did find two photos on Instagram of the sunrise at Byron Beach the morning of June 1st. They were able to get in touch with one of them and they had been there with two other people but hadn't seen anything unusual. Images of people around a campfire on the beach the night that Theo went missing were found. So they were at Tellu's beach at the right time, but further south and didn't see anything unusual. And beach parties were actually really common in this area, so. So that's one of my kind of thoughts is that he had heard about a beach party and was trying to head there instead of going home. That's a really good thought because an 18-year-old... Right, but Me he, being myself he, one of them, I would not, if I, you wouldn't go home, you would go find something else. So maybe when right. he got to the street where all the young people hang out, maybe he heard of something and went with people to go to that party. But then what happened to him? I mean, exactly. nobody, nobody says that they saw him. Nobody, there's no evidence that he ever made it there. What happened? I mean, I just don't know. I do not know. Okay, on June 2nd, This is kind of weird and crazy, but on June 2nd, a woman made and posted a Facebook video describing a concerning incident that she had encountered while driving to work. She says on the video that a man was trying to wave her down on the side of the road. Now, mind you, this is 4.30 in the morning and it's dark out. She said that she could see a man laying on the ground behind him and thought something must be wrong. She initially pulled over, but then something just didn't seem right, and she didn't feel like she started to get scared, and she continued driving. But as she was driving away, she decided to call the police because she felt really bad. Like, she thought somebody needs help and just didn't feel comfortable stopping. Yeah, so that's that's a thing. I don't blame this woman because if, I, if it was 4.30 and a man was trying to flag me down, I don't think I would get out of my car or even let alone roll down my window, might park far away and call the police to show up because... Yeah, that would be a scary situation for sure. So she dialed triple O and when the police reported to the area, they said that they didn't find anything amiss. There was no body on the ground. There was no other person. This was about a three hour drive from Byron Bay where this happened. So she posted the video, and this was four days before Theo's family even knew he was missing, that she posted this video on Facebook. After seeing the video of him in the liquor store, she thought of the guy on the ground. Right, so he was wearing, or she remembered him wearing the same colored clothing that the guy in the video had been wearing, and she thought, well, maybe this was him. So she called the police and reported it, never heard anything from it, and then later on, she also called Crime Stoppers about it. Okay, on June 9th, there was a report of someone matching Theo's description at a market. He appeared to be spaced out and was talking to himself. Probably not the best sign. Right, which we see this in a lot of missing person cases, especially once they get widely circulated on social media or on the news, where people start to see them in other places. Just like in our last case when... There were a lot of people seeing her everywhere, but it was most likely just people seeing 
somebody that a looks bald similar. woman everywhere. Right. So exactly. So on Monday, June twenty fourth, Theo's godfather received a message on Facebook. They claimed to have Theo captive and demanded a ransom for his release, which is suspicious, very suspicious, and because this is days. I'm kind of on the don't ever pay the ransom. Well, yeah, oh, and but... obviously this person could have seen this on social media or wherever and been it, like... Exactly. So they demanded $300,000 in Bitcoin and gave the family 24 hours. They mentioned his previous girlfriend in the message, but this was a public fact on Facebook. So they didn't think that this meant that the person had Theo. Other family members also received the same message and it was determined to be unfounded. They were pretty sure it was a hoax. Yep. What is wrong with people? So on Wednesday, July 3rd, the police had ended the official search for Theo. This was about four weeks after he went missing. Which, that's not a super unreasonable timeline for police to month. Yeah, I mean a month. They they did say that they were going to continue to investigate, but they were ending the search. Also, it doesn't help that Theo is an 18-year-old man who was drinking and like... He's an adult, yeah. Yeah. But they, but they don't think he's okay. They don't think that he's wandered off and is enjoying his life somewhere else. Like, they think that something happened to him. They just don't know what it is. They strongly believe an accident happened, and they were going to stop with the ground search, but they were going to continue the investigation. They even drove the family to the lighthouse and showed them where they thought the accident had happened, and they seemed unsure about the location. Right, so they're driving the family out to the lighthouse and they're saying, oh, we think maybe he fell off here or there. Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on I think they're just trying to give the family some closure. Like, this is our theory. This is what we think happened. Also, once again, this is another large tourist place. They have more backpackers come through than they do have... Locals. An, An accident looks a lot better than just a missing person. If they can say oh, we're closing this case, or we think it was an accident, that's going to be our official report. Like, an accident looks a lot better than just, foul play or just missing. Or just I mean, a, just missing And a backpacker, people. too, which is most of the people that come in and out of that town. Yeah. So on July 7, which is four days after the investigation stops, yes. or the searching stops. The official searching, the police searching. Right. Volunteers actually find a gray puma cap. And they find it exactly on the path that Theo would have been walking through the thick bush. Which is the exact hat that he was wearing, by the way. Exact hat that he was wearing that day, you guys. So it's in the middle of the bush in the area where he had been running. Which if you're running, you're probably going to lose your... You might lose your cap, yeah. The police say that they had searched this area thoroughly and they don't know how the hat would have been missed. Hmm. Hmm. So, to the family, they believe this was his hat. It appeared to look the same. It was in the same area it should be. Everything's matching up. This is actually the first tangible evidence that they have. DNA testing was done on hairs found in the hat, but they were inconclusive. So, had the hat been missed in the initial search? Did the police miss it? Had somebody placed it there after the fact? I think it just got missed. It it sounds like this area is really difficult to search. Yeah. Friends and family investigated every lead that was given to them. Even when psychics started rolling in. Which seems to happen in every case, you guys. 
And this area attracts a lot of spiritual people, so... It, it does, yeah. It's really well known for this type of thing. Okay, so three weeks after Theo went missing, a mysterious club with the words The Judge written on it was found in the sand dunes at Clark's Beach in Byron, and it was stained with what looks like blood and had duct tape on the handle. Yeah, I saw a picture of this, and we'll post a picture of this too, I'm not sure that this has anything to do with the case, and I feel like it's I mean, a bit of a stretch. It's really weird. It's really weird. And, and it's three weeks later, I too. I can just imagine things at that club the judge has been used for. I, I don't, don't. I don't, I don't like, like that. that. So it was handed in to police, and then searchers found similar items at Tello Beach, and they took pictures and sent them to the police. These items were placed in the grass, which is... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure these are even related. There is a large homeless population in this area, so I feel like finding things like this are like not... Debris almost. Yeah, I mean, they are they look like they're made into, like, weapons, but that I don't even think is that unusual with a large homeless population. So the same day, searchers found an abandoned campsite, and near it was what looked like a gravesite with rocks on top of them. Weird. Yeah. Very strange. Which turned out to be nothing. Yes, turned out to be nothing. And then black Nike shoes were also found on the side of the road and turned into police, which Theo was wearing dark shoes. He was. I I do think that they weren't Nikes, though. I think they were determined to be a different brand. But I think because the police weren't really communicating information about what these items meant or what were done with them, people just assumed that police didn't care about these items or didn't think they were relevant. Okay, theories. Was it foul play? Was it an accident? Did he simply get lost? Did he meet someone? Could someone have killed him? Could he have killed himself? Also, why was he kicked out of Cheeky Monkey? And then the grinder theory. So we're gonna talk about all of those really quick here. Okay, so with the foul play theory, there's been quite a few cases of, of like people just disappearing. But there have been other cases of people just going missing or being found murdered and are unsolved. So very foul, interesting. Yeah, and foul play is definitely something to consider. What bothers me about the foul play theory is if he was running from someone, if something happened, if he was really hiding in the bush, why did he get on YouTube and why did he respond to people's messages after that happened? So to me, that doesn't make sense. If something was wrong, I feel like he would not have done that. It's very strange. Yeah, so I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I think the accident theory or the theory of him being with somebody kind of make the most sense to me. Like he met up with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Makes more sense. Okay, so with the accident theory, like maybe he was trying to climb the cliff in order to get to the lighthouse. Yeah, which locals kind of suggest that that would be crazy to do even in the daytime, but there are these old goat trails that almost look like trails, and then once you get up a little ways more, it becomes impossible to continue. Well, it's a goat. Well, right, but it just looks like a path when you're down at the bottom, and if you're not familiar with the area. And um, maybe you went for a swim. Which, I'm sorry, it was so cold out that night, I just don't see that happening they didn't find any of his clothes on the beach i don't think he was a sensible guy i don't think he went for a swim and his family just doesn't see him putting himself into a situation 
Listen to what his godfather had to say in this interview. Uh, he was not used to drink at all. He doesn't take drugs. Uh, he's really sensible and, and uh, he, he wouldn't look for adventure, especially not if he was not fully uh, in, in, in his normal capacity. Okay, so basically he's saying Theo is a sensible guy and he wouldn't go looking for adventure, especially if he'd been drinking. I think that just because he was there doesn't necessarily mean that he was doing anything irresponsible, especially if he was there with someone, which That's we've true. talked about, you know. Yeah. So let's look at maybe a different kind of accident, like... Maybe he fell in the water. That one I can almost believe a little more. I can almost believe that maybe while climbing up to the lighthouse or trying to get up there, he slipped and fell and ended up in the water. That's a theory that I can actually kind of almost come to peace with, but there's unexplained things if that's what happened. So we'll get into that. Yes. Okay. If he did fall in the water, maybe he was attacked by a great white shark. Which is very possible. I mean, in 1993, a couple on their honeymoon, oh, this bothers me, who were scuba diving off of Julian Rocks, which is just off of Byron Bay, were attacked by a great white shark. John, the husband, actually pushed his new wife out of the way to save her life and losing his own in the process. Jeez. Okay, so then in 2014, a local man was attacked and killed by a great white in Clark's Beach in Byron. Yep, and then we have 2019, a surfer was attacked by a shark. This was in Belongio Beach, but he actually lived to tell the tale. But still, another shark attack, right? But there had recently been a young boy who tried to climb the cliffs during the day and had fallen and injured his head and had been hospitalized. So yeah, his mother actually petitioned to have a sign put up in that place, which is right near where Theo was. And the sign read, warning, steep and unstable cliffs do not climb headland. It was right at Cozy Corner. However, the sign did not go up until after Theo's disappearance, but it was in the process of happening at that time. Okay, so in 2019, a 15-year-old boy and his friend decided to climb the cliffs at Cozy Corner. They were following an old goat track. See, there's the goat track. And they thought it was safe. He had fallen and crushed his skull. He had barely survived the fall. Right, so could something like that have happened to Theo? And if the tide was in, could his body have just been swept away? Because that boy... When he fell, they said that if the tide had been a little higher at the time, he would have drowned because he was knocked unconscious. I mean, I just don't know. It, it seems like know. it could be a plausible theory, but being a sensible person, his family just does not think he would do this. They don't think that he would go alone at night to this beach and start climbing a cliff to get to a lighthouse. Especially according to his Google account, he had not been there in the previous days that he had been in Byron Bay. Yeah, and also if he did, like, meet people and they went and they were all climbing up, why didn't anyone say anything about Somebody him? would have come forward. Someone would now. have come forward yeah. about him falling, so. I agree. I, I think it's more likely that he was alone if that's what happened. Like, yeah. if he climbed he and fell. I, I feel like he would have been alone, but I don't know. If he did end up in the water, though... People, especially locals, believe that he would have been washed back or found by now. However, other people have disappeared into the surf and not come back. Mm -hmm. Like quite a few people. So I don't think that's crazy. There's a lot of caves and caverns underneath that people can get stuck in and things like that. So a plausible theory for sure. The getting lost theory, right? 
So say he hadn't intended to go there. And he got lost. Uh, but he but- kept pulling up his Google Maps. We did determine that if he had put in a waypoint for Cozy Corner, it wouldn't have showed in his Google history. So I honestly think that is the most likely scenario for why he continued to pull up his Google Maps and look at it over and over again, but continued to walk in the wrong direction. I think that he left Cheeky Monkey, he pulled up his hostel, and then he decided, I'm going to go check and see if there's a party, or maybe he heard about a party at Byron Beach and decided that he was going to go check it out, or he heard about the lighthouse, or somebody told him about it. So he enters in a waypoint because he doesn't want to lose his hostel uh, location, right? He doesn't want to lose his address, so he just puts in a waypoint, and that's why it looks like he continues to go in the wrong direction because we can't see that he's got another path up on his map. Yeah. So to me, I feel like that makes the most sense. But then why would his map take him through the woods? Well, that's kind of the weird thing, but here's the thing. I do know people who will look at a map and it tells you to go this way and they're like, well, that way looks shorter. I'm going to go that way. Weird. That sounds like someone we're related to. Yeah, maybe Shuttler. So maybe that's what, that's how he ended up in that thick bush if he wasn't with another person. So him going through that bush makes me think that he was with somebody else who knew where they were going. If he wasn't, then maybe he just saw on his map that this way might be faster and decided to go not realizing what he was getting himself into so did he meet someone i still think there's a possibility in the seven minute stop that he made that he waited there for seven minutes to meet up with somebody that maybe he had met on instagram or snapchat or whatever the hell you guys are doing these days and they were like oh i can show you a cool lighthouse or let's go to a party or whatever or he met someone in that seven minutes of being in that And spot. decided to go explore with them. He's like, hey, where should I go? What's going on? Well, especially since obviously he was a social friendly guy since he... And got kicked out of a bar where the rest of his companions that he knew were. And now he either had to go home and go to bed or find something else to do. Right? So could he have killed himself? I'm going with no. I'm going with no. The family also thinks this is very unlikely, so... Especially There's you, just no indication. Why would he do that? I don't think he would. I think that is the most unlikely scenario of all of them. Oh, for sure. But you do find it when you dig into the case. He had his university coming up. Like, he was ready to go home and start yeah. studying. So I think we just cross that one off and we say no altogether. Another thing that bothers me is why was he kicked out of Cheeky Monkey? If he wasn't drunk, had somebody spiked one of his drinks... Could that be why he appeared more intoxicated than he would have been? Could he have wandered to the beach or gone to the beach but been unstable on his feet due to something like that? And could that have been how he ended up in the water? So that is kind of a plausible thing. I kind of think that he maybe just got kicked out because he was having fun and they thought he might be intoxicated. I'm not sure that there's like a scandal going on at Cheeky Monkey where... They did something or kicked him out for some nefarious reason, right? Yeah. I mean, I just don't really see that. There were rumors about a guy the week before who had been kicked out of Cheeky Monkey for going into the kitchen. And there was rumors that Theo had been mistaken for this guy and that's why he was kicked out. But Cheeky Monkey says that is not the case, that that did not happen. Hmm. And that he was simply kicked out because he appeared intoxicated, right? And several other people were kicked out that night. 
Theo was not the only one. So to me, it just sounds like he was having a little too much fun dancing on the table and they thought he was overly intoxicated. Maybe that girl that rejected him. She got rejected mm. by multiple guys and got them Maybe. all kicked out of the bar. Maybe. Okay, so our last theory is a grinder theory. Or rumor, I guess. It started as more of a rumor. So there was a rumor that Theo was on Grinder and that maybe he met somebody on that. But there seems to be no evidence of it at all. No evidence at all. And there's actually a member of Grinder who says that he posted something about Theo's disappearance. And he thinks that that might have started the rumor mills about like people misunderstood and thought that Theo was a part of Grinder. Very strange. I know. I don't, I don't really know, but according to his friends, according to his family, this is not something he would have been on. So nobody seems to think that this theory holds any water, but you do come across it when you're digging into the case. So people have not forgotten about this case. In October, a group of 350 ethical hackers, did you know that's a thing, gathered in order to work on 12 missing person cases and Theo was one of them. So basically, these are hackers, right? But they're ethical hackers, right? So they do it for ethical reasons. They, they do it for ethical reasons. So, or they do it ethically, we should say. So they're basically diving into these 12 missing person cases, Theo being one of them, trying to find if there's anything like computer data-wise that they can track down that might help with these cases. So really looking through social media for information, looking for, did his phone ever turn up on sale somewhere? You know, did somebody yeah. go onto eBay or offer up or whatever they use in Australia? I don't know. And try to sell this exact version of the phone in the months preceding his disappearance. Did anybody post anything that might be relevant that maybe got deleted later on? You know, uh, we just don't know. So they've been diving into that. Which I think is really cool. I yeah. didn't know that was a thing. And I'm happy to hear that somebody is using their hacking skills for something good. Someone is using their hacking skills. And please ethically. hack into Madison's phone and see what scary stuff is in there. Ah, there's not that much scary stuff. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to find, but... And then his dad. So this is the last message that Theo had sent to his dad the day he arrived into Byron Bay. Kind of rocky translation. But you'll get the idea. But you'll get the idea. So, hey dad, I am arrived in Byron Bay. Looks great. Nature is fantastic. People looking very good. They are looking very friendly. I am happy to be here. Mm. Sad. I know. It's so hard. I can't, I can't even imagine at what level you hold on to bits of things like that when you go through something like this or when your family goes through something like this. So one thing that still bothers his family is that he had always stressed to his younger brother to think about his actions and really think through the consequences of what he does. They just really, because of the way that Theo was, they just really don't see any way that he did something irresponsible to put himself in the situation, like climbing up the cliffs or things like that. Yeah, it's... But really smart people make really bad choices sometimes. So it's so hard to really know for sure... What happened in this case. What happened. You guys, it's such a mystery. We, I mean, we're stumped. We just don't know. What do you guys think? So Maddie, what's your favorite theory? What do you think happened out there? I think that he definitely met someone and they definitely were bringing him to this party. 
on the beach because there's no reason. And then what happened? So wait, so there's no reason that he would have been able to find that place on his own with the trail going through the forest, avoiding the homeless camp. Like, I really think that he met someone who brought him there. And then rather of not those people when they started to run, when he started to run, whether or not that person was the one that was going to potentially conflict, like, harm on him, or if it was something completely different than that person he met, whether or not I think that some sort of foul play or them getting lost may have occurred, but it's either he got lost. Where's the other person? Lost or gone. You think the other person's missing too and nobody's reported them missing? Who knows? Maybe it's another homeless person. We don't know. Do you think he was chilling with a homeless person on the beach? I don't know, dog. Maybe it's like, because you know, like, maybe it's like a home, like, I don't freaking know. How am I supposed to know? But I think that he definitely met someone and whether or not... So if he met somebody that was familiar with the area, why do you think he kept pulling up his Google map? Maybe I'm thinking he was just trying to see how far away he was getting from his... Or maybe he was, like, from his hostel, or maybe he was sketched out that he was being brought in such a strange way to this beach. That maybe he was pulling up his map to see... He did it so many times, though. Maybe he was sketched out. Maybe he realized that he put himself in a sketchy situation and wanted to make sure he could get himself out of it. Because it sounds like he thought ahead, so if he was thinking ahead... I don't understand why he... Or maybe he was roofied and he was being... Then why would he check his map? Holy... I don't know. Yeah, Um, there's really... There's so many possibilities in this case. And everybody seems to be, like, very sold on, like, one particular theory or another. I have, like, three that I kind of, like, waver in between. That I could totally see being possibilities. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what you guys think. We want to know what everybody's theories are. Maybe we can start a tally or something. Maybe. Yeah. So then when we go to Australia, we can really... Yes. When I somehow end up in Byron <laughs> Bay, because even though this happened, I still want to go. And we I really want to go, go we, to this bar. Yeah, we'd love to go to this bar and like retrace his steps. That would be amazing. Because like this bar has tables you can dance on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun to me. So hopefully, hopefully me and Maddie can make it to Australia someday soon. That would be amazing. So if you guys know anything at all about this case, uh, you can call Crime Stoppers. Yeah, the Crime Stoppers in Byron Bay, their number is 1-800-333-000. Yeah. If you have any, any information, because Theo is still missing. He's still missing, you guys. He needs to be found. This is a crazy mystery. Um, also, if you guys are looking for some more information on this case, the Australian did an amazing podcast called The Lighthouse. It's where we got some of our Google information, which I still think is crazy. And by the way, why are we not using this Google information on every missing person case out there? Can somebody explain that to me? I need to know why. I want to go back and track down missing people from our previous cases and ask their families, if they looked at their Google history. Yeah, because it it tracked like every couple seconds. Yeah, this has to be a good resource for people to use, assuming you can get into it. Because remember, the family had to hack into his Google account, so it's not something... Yeah, it might not be something that's readily available. But yeah, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and showing up every week. We're going to be doing some map scratching later on because we have some more states and some more countries. Yes. Yes. So be looking for that on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram 
at uh, Lost in the Woods Podcast. Yep. Or like our Facebook page, uh, which is Lost in the Woods Podcast. Shocking, I know. We're, crazy. I know, it's crazy. Also, thank you everybody who left us a review last week. We got a few more reviews, which made us feel better. Except for the person that gave us three stars with no explanation. Yeah. We it's talked fine. about that. I'll, we talked about that in the last podcast. I know, but I'm still gonna cry about it. Madison's still upset about that. It's fine. It's fine. But thank you everybody who did, and also thank you everybody who shared us in their stories. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to next week. Yes. But we'll be seeing you on our social media this week. We'll be posting some stuff coming up here. So be looking for it. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye.